Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. This is the Church Planner Podcast, and this is part two of our interview with Don Overstreet. Again, the audio is not as clear as it normally is. It's because of how, how we had to record it, but the information is just golden. So make sure you buckle up, sit back, and listen to this one. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. And I mean, in, in many ways, you function like the Apostle Paul. You and I have talked, and of course, your book's been out. Cha-ching! Right. Every, every time you mention your book, you have to say cha-ching on the show. Oh, so, I do. Uh, well, I, 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 I haven't seen a whole lot of that on the books I give. <laughs> it's just our big twisted joke. That's all. Yeah, but, that's, uh, we, well, yeah, yeah we, um, and I, you know, again, I would never put my name, I would never put Apostle in front of my name, but uh, you know, I have no. an Apostle. Gifting, they're not a title, but a gifting. Let's use it that way. No. But, but what's really cool about um, you know the the Southern Baptist right now is I've I've taken the Church Planner Candidate Assessment, and as I was going through it, it it actually I'm reading between the lines here, but it looks like that's what they're looking for. I mean, the questions are things like um, you know it'll go into things. You know that it's asking you, are you a shepherd? I mean, I'm seeing basic themes come up. Another one's asking me, you know, do you get a, get a way to hear the voice of God? Do you feel you have a message for the church? Have you ever spoken to someone and said, this is a direct message from the Lord for you? And I'm going, okay, they're, they're rooting for an apostle, uh, a, a prophetic type leader here. Right, okay, right. over here, you know, do you, do you know, how many people have you led to Christ? It looks to me like the candidate assessment is doing just that. It's assessing your gifts um, very much in line with with what I would believe and what you would believe, it looks like the whole assessment is wired to kind of help the planner on it. And of course, I'm not on the other other side of that where I've gotten my results. But I mean, it's pretty cool. You know, I'm going, man, this is exactly how you need to assess people. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, but again, I I, I assess I assess their hearts. 
whether they do their actions. I mean, I can, like you said, I can, I can feel a person. You know, are they really have that passion? Do they have that really call? Because that's the main thing is the call. Because it's going to get tiresome. It's going to get wearisome. Um, but that call, you keep going back to the call God has in your life. Keep it going. Keep it going. So yeah. Yeah. What What are some of the things like? I'm sure by now you kind of have like an FBI profile. You know, like how they do of serial killers. You can probably tell the guy who's going to fail before he even gets out the gate. You just meet the guy and you're like, okay, you're still living at home with mom. You know, you're playing video games all day, but church planning sounds fun, you know, and, you know, you, no one will give you a mega church, so you, you think you're just going to start one up because you think you're a pretty nifty person. And after all, your youth group laughed at your jokes when you helped out with the youth ministry. Um, I'm sure you have a profile. What are what are some of the things that are just big warning signs to you when you meet a church planner and you think, I don't know about that, you know? Um, There's guys that come to you and say, well, you know, I've finished seminary and I couldn't get a church, so I guess that means God wants me a church planner. That's not good enough. It has to be a passion of your heart. God has to place it into your heart uh, that you can't get away from it. Uh, there's a people group or a community, a geographical area that you just feel passionate about the reaching and yeah. um, you're going to be miserable unless you do it. That's the first thing I'm looking for. Uh, if it's just because you need a job or because, oh, I heard you guys will give us so much money a month if I do this, that's not good enough. Uh, that's a real red flag. And the other red flag to me is... Well, how, how much money will you give, Don? Because I might be a church planner. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I can't pay you enough. I can't pay you. I don't have enough money in the world to pay We can't afford you, Pete. I can't get you. I can't get you out of your mother's house fast enough. <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. No, <laughs> We don't edit anything like that out. There, there you go. There you go. There's not a, not enough money to get Pete out of his mother. <laughs> but um, and I think a couple other real key red flags is this: they're not doing it already. If they're not out wanting people to Jesus, if they're not out uh, praying with people, praying over people, if they consider it a job. It's not a job. It's a calling. It's a passion. I mean, it's a 24-7. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and then the other one that I've had troubles with, um, a guy comes to me here. Well, I got this plan. It gives me a 30-page syllabus and all the cool notes and all the pictures are color-coordinated. Um, <laughs> and I just need, I need you to give me 20 or 30 people to get started or 100 people to get started. And um, I don't see a passion. I said, well, yeah. I can't do that. God bless you. Go start it and see what works. And then well, they fall flat on the face. They come back and say, well, I guess I better listen to God this time. I said, yeah, you better. So, um, mm -hmm. And then I guess the other one that's very critical to me is a teachable spirit. The guy comes in with an arrogant spirit that says, hey, I know what I'm doing. Just don't bother me. Get out of my way. I'm going to show you how I can save the world. That's sort of a red flag. There's got to be humility. There's got to be brokenness. And, 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 I mean, for, to do what we're doing, you have to stay very humble under the mighty hand of God to, to survive because the enemy's going to hit you with everything he can to try to discourage yeah. you. So we're going into, we're going after lost people. We're not going, we're not just rotating the saints. We're going after it, lost people. The devil doesn't so want to give up funny. any of them. So, yeah. It's so funny to hear you say that because the first thing we always say, well, there's two things we say at our conference. First thing we say is, 
all right, if you're here today and, you know, if you're in any way tempted by someone giving you a fat paycheck from a megachurch to take a position, you're in the wrong conference, okay? So you that's, have to probably right. leave now. Number number two, um, second thing, you've come to a church planning conference and you want to learn how to do it. First, uh, you know, the first thing you need to know about us is we're not experts. Nobody in this game is an expert. There's no, no such thing as a church plan expert because it's different every single time. And That's you right. need the Holy Spirit every mm-hmm. single time. And it's just cool to hear you, uh, with your expertise and your experience, say that. We were just on a podcast yesterday, and I said, I never, ever want to find myself church planning because I think I got this. Right. You just right. said that yesterday. That, no, that uh, I, me I, yesterday morning. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been doing this for a long time, but every morning I still wake up feeling very inadequate because... And it has to be totally dependent on God to do what we're doing because actually it's God doing it. And when we get um, get that little attitude, God knows how to knock that attitude. He'll humble you real quick. Oh yeah, I, I've learned I've learned a long time. It's better to humble yourself instead of let God humble you. So. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And Paul said that, didn't he? He said, "Who's sufficient for these things?" You know, even Paul was feeling inadequate, and when he when he got arrogant. Words like, "Hey, man, I'm going to show you what weakness does. Yeah. Know, my power works through your weakness." Well, I, I've gone back to Second Corinthians 12 many, many times, and I sort of camped out there. When I am weak, you are strong. Mm. Are, uh, are there what, any books, Don, that that you feel you mentioned already? Brother Lawrence, practice of the presence of God. Mm. Are there any books that you know? You sparked me by saying, "I've gone back to Second Corinthians." Are there any books that have become like old friends and almost kind of like lifelines that you've had to go back to? Um, obviously, the scripture and any passages you think, but uh, but also any 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 books that have just they're like I need like for me one of those books would be uh, Paul Tripp's um, Dangerous Calling because it it, it does exactly what we're talking about. It humbles me. That book absolutely floors me when I read it and just grinds me to power and gets me to, to quit and then tell God I'll do whatever you want and, you know, kind of puts me back together and, you know, makes me a servant again. Um, are there any books like that that you just think, you know, the younger generation of church planners, you need to know this, you need to read this, you need to breathe it, eat it, sleep it? Well, um, yeah, that's a good question. I um I just we visited a couple of books that I've read, and I just reordered one. Well, it's not a popular title, but Stanley. I like Charles Stanley. He always mm. gets down to my heart. I, I reordered. I'm hoping it comes in today. The blessings of brokenness. See, we don't talk about that a whole lot. We we because so much of what we do in ministry is built on ego instead of on humility. But what's going to last forever is built on humility. So it's going back to the basics of, of, of being totally broken before the Lord, like God. So that's, you know, and, and like I said, the normal Christian life, and then um, uh, books on prayer, um, um, E.M. Bounds, books by E.M. Oh, yeah. Bounds. <laughs> and um, I, I, I like a little book that I've read more than probably five or ten times. Uh, I think it's uh, it's on, um, oh, this one blank, um, the guy who started the inland, uh, China Inland Mission. Um, oh, yeah, Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor, the secrets, uh, secrets of Hudson Taylor's. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know. Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. 
Yes, that's the one I've gone back and read many a time, just to get back to the basics, you know. So stuff like that is, and of course, like I said, I've gone back to Second Corinthians 12 a lot of times, and I, the little book of Philippians, I go back and read that more than once, you know, huh. where, where, not that I've already achieved, but I press on, and uh, that I may know him, and the power of his, his resurrection, and then that tough part, and the fellowship of his suffering. Hmm. You know, see, that's where that brokenness comes in. We don't like to talk about the suffering part, but the suffering is the refining, the refining fire. Um, <laughs> if you look at all the, the, the men who have changed the world, they, they did suffer emotionally, physically, yeah. you know. Yeah. What, so what are some of the... don't like to talk about that kind of stuff, you know. So. No, hey, that that's awesome. Yeah. Quick, quickly yeah. moving to the next topic. No, I'm just teasing. Sure. Um, uh, no, along, along those same lines... Um, what are some of the unique uh, trials uh, to church planners or to church planners? Because obviously ministry is tough. It, it, it comes with right. its own. I mean, I, I know I just read a blog post where somebody was saying, is ministry that hard? And um, I guess in a certain way, if you make it into a cubicle job, probably not. But, uh, but church planning is anything but a cubicle job. Um, right. You know, I mean, Paul, for Paul, it was hard, you know. So if it ain't hard, you might be doing something wrong. You tell Timothy, hey, it's going to be hard if you're doing it right. And I, I say the three areas where, and I tell every church planner that, um, you're going to be attacked by fi- family, finances, and health. And sometimes all three at the same time. <laughs> because Satan will hit you where you're vulnerable. Uh, and everyone's different, you know. Uh, minus my health issues, obviously, is where I'm vulnerable. So, so I understand that, but we need to be aware of it and, and not not back down or slow down by it. To keep going forward, through it, and press on through it. You know, uh, that's where the victories won. Um, I think uh, here's the thing that that I've I have struggled with in my own life, and I think most men pastors do because of who we are, and Americans that we are, competition and comparison. Mm-hmm. I pray. I pray against that every morning in my own life. Uh, the devil's going to, your own flesh is going to, well, you know, because we hear that what I call the glory stories. Well, you know, this guy started church with zero, and he's in two, ten thousand in two years, and then you're over here, you know, underneath a uh, umbrella, underneath a, in a park, and you got twenty. After two years, you say, "I'm a, I'm a failure," because you're comparing yourself to that another person. Well, the only person you have, you only have an audience of one. You've got to, if you're being obedient to the Father and doing exactly what God wants, doesn't matter what numbers are, you're touching people that God wants you to touch and you're doing what God wants you to do. So that's one of the issues that I think that we really need to talk to, uh, tell young guys, tell the beginners that when you start, don't get wrapped up in the success stories. To me, success mm-hmm. is being right in the middle of God's will and staying there. And competition. Uh, well, you know, I, I quit going to pastor's meetings for a while because, you know, the guys would say, hey, how many did you have on church Sunday? They didn't really want to know. They just wanted to know if they had more than I did, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that competitive spirit, we're, we're men, and we have that competitive spirit. But it doesn't need to be, but the only enemy we have is the devil, not each other. So we've got to start acting like it. If you got 5,000, I got 50. I'm going to rejoice you got 5,000. And I'm rejoicing that God gave me 50 because I don't deserve 50. But, you know, that's how we got to look at it. That's why we, we need to help our brother, each of us, need to help each other and rejoice in the blessings God has given us instead of what we don't have. We need to rejoice in what we, God has given us. 
One thing that I would really encourage guys, you know, you don't hear much about that either because we live in such a uh, performance-based world, you know. Hey, Don, what, what do you, uh, how do you counsel church planners when it comes to um, their relationships with their families, their kids, their spouse? Um, or, or I don't even know if counsel is the right word, but, I mean, when you're first meeting a church planner, I mean, what, what are you looking at there and, and – I mean, is it, do you understand the gist behind my question? Because I don't even know how to find Oh, yeah, yeah. No, um, I will always ask the guy. I mean, and not, you know, a lot of times I don't always meet with the wife just because the guy's available or whatever. Uh, but I'll ask him, where's your wife on this matter? Because I believe if God's called you, he's going to call your wife, you know, your mate. And if she's not quite ready, if she's not there yet, this is it's going to be a, a battle, an internal battle in the home. You don't need that. So you need to know how to help them. Uh, say, hey, you need to keep praying and work with your wife and let her get ready. Uh, but I'm also finding the other side of the coin, most of the wives are way ahead of the men, <laughs> uh, especially if they're in, especially if they're in a, um, an established church that, that are just, and they're just getting beat up, you know, because they want to do creative stuff and they're not having the freedom to do it. Um, so I think very much... The wives and the, the husband and wife need to be in agreement underneath the lordship of Christ that this is where God's leading them. Um, but also, um, I'm very strong on trying to make sure the husband, the, the church planter, doesn't get too busy with, with yeah. all that, with church planting, that doesn't have time for his wife and kids, especially if they're young, the kids are young. Um, um, I mean, I'm, I'm from my own, my own dumb mistakes, you know. I would always be out almost every night. And then I, when I was young, I realized, whoa, slow it down, Tiger. You need to spend time with your, um, you need to have a date. I mean, I emphasize a date night, at least a date night, uh, once a week, uh, and then also time with the family. Um, and it's okay. Um, God's going to raise the church. God's going to grow the church at the pace God can, that you can handle. And if your marriage is a mess and if you're a, a a failure in your marriage, then then you're already defeated. Satan's always over there in the corner laughing at you. Mm -hmm. So you got to make sure your family is strong. Your family is strong. Um, um, I don't. On the other side of that coin, on the other side of that coin is that it's not. That doesn't mean it's a sign for you to be lazy. But you got to have a balance. I'm going to spend time with my yeah. family. Like if and a lot of our guys are Bible case hardy. Most of our guys are the wives work and you know let's say for example like I've got guys that their wives are nurses and they work like what well, well, three to ten shifts or whatever now they work the afternoon shift evening shifts so I say instead of a date night take her out to breakfast you know so you know adjust your mm -hmm. schedule so that you can spend time with your, your wives when she's available and when you're available and um, I, I those, agree 100% uh, yeah. my, uh, my the story of my life has been one of flexibility when it comes to family if Mm -hmm. If uh, for whatever reason I've I've got to go out and do something in the night, I do exactly that. I have a special breakfast. I might make pancakes around the house or an uh -huh. omelet. My wife is a way better egg maker than me, but I get stuck doing it. But uh, you know, I'm kind of the breakfast dude. But I'll, I'll do that. I'll take that on to hey, let's do boom, boom, boom. And my wife never feels like she's getting ripped off. And and people tell you like I you know I'm kind of I got I give myself. Uh, a short leash. It's not my wife giving me a short leash. I just know that there's going to be times 
in seasons where my wife's going to have to make a bigger investment. And so I'm, I'm basically putting away in that account. So when I need to make a big withdrawal, I can. I might need to go away for a conference for a week. And she doesn't resent that. Mm, if she right, knows, right. You know, she's first, she's, you know, whatever. Um, you yeah. know, that, that, that's really important. So I think what you're talking about there is kind of like maintenance doses. You know, just right. boom. You're just being boom, boom, boom. You know, keep right. her popped up so that you're, yeah. you're good to go when, when you got to yeah. dip into the account yeah. a little deeper. And let me, let me I'll piggyback on that a little bit is there's going to be seasons in ministry where you're just jam-packed, especially when you're getting something started, you're having your first preview service or you're having a big launch. You're just swamped, and and you need to communicate that to your wife and to the family. Say, I'm not trying to neglect you, but I just got to get these things done. And if, like you said, if you worked with them and, and loved on them enough, they're going to understand those seasons. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, and that's, and what, that's what important. Is, yeah, and one of the things that uh, when when it comes to that that I've noticed it's really helpful and healthy um, is that I share stuff with my wife. My, equally to, you know, making my wife what we call an evangelical widow, leaving her at home with the chillings while I go off and do, quote, unquote, God's work. Um, but equally important is not doing that or giving her the neck of the chicken is to include her in the ministry. Um, our wives, you know, they, they, they want to be a part of this. This is exciting. This is our passion. Right. And so during that time, what I've, what I've noticed Charlie doing right now is Charlie's working. It's funny because we'll talk and he'll, he'll start laughing and go, I don't even, I'll ask him a really simple question about what happened here and he'll laugh and say, I don't even remember. I'm so busy right now. Um, but what's really cool is he has given Julie so many things that she can do, like, it, it, he kind of has no choice. So his wife, Julie, is doing all of this stuff right now um, that he could be doing and, you know, feel good about, and I'm running this and right. that, and Julie's doing so much, and Julie's super excited because she's she's got a partner. So, guys, don't don't neglect, you know, your wife's involvement. When you're, share it out with her. Make her a part of it. Include her and rope her into it so that right. it's a team thing. It's the two of you. It's not just you going away from your wife. That's important. Yeah, but uh, let me um, uh, put a little wrinkle on that. But also, you need to be sensitive to your wife. Not every wife is going to be your assistant pastor. <laughs> and, um, mm, that's true. Uh, and help them and give them the freedom to be involved at whatever level they feel comfortable. You know, um, I didn't marry my I didn't marry, I didn't marry my wife because she's my assistant, but but I trust her in God. I and, want her to be a good Christian, and a good church member, yeah, a good member and church, and, and let let her work out of her gift in this and and whatever area. Not every pastor's wife is a, needs to be the children's <laughs> children's work because Absolutely. they got three kids, and not everybody needs Absolutely. to be uh, uh, the social have, have be in charge of all the parties because they're just not built that way. So yeah, that's where we also yeah, need to be sensitive. Yeah, we need to be sensitive to our wives. Yeah, yeah, gifted. Yeah, and definitely don't drop her into the children's ministry. You know, thinking, oh, that's right. what a pastor's wife does. That's like one of the biggest mistakes you can you can ever oh, make. Oh yeah. No, yeah. you're my wife. You should be in children's ministry and handle that. But but the and, deal and is, they, they, and they wonder, and they wonder why after two years the wife is exhausted from church planning and ready to go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. For for me, I'm and, and and I think you know your caution there is is important because I may be in a unique situation. My wife was a missionary before I married her. And oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, her, her whole life was ministry. So we may have the opposite problem where at times because we got kids now. Um, right. Our our struggle is. Well, you both have had to both had to slow down a little bit. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course I've got a really needy infant who's in and out of the hospital a lot. So mm-hmm. that's been a, that's been an interesting, uh, you know, head scratcher. But, uh, but you, you also, I think when you've been in ministry for, for a long time, you realize, you know, God is sovereign. He has a plan and right. my family right. rhythms will meet the cadence of the gospel word. Right. If I look to God, I walk close to him and I trust him. It'll all work out. Like when, when, what we're finding is what people often say when you get bogged down in family, um, suddenly the mission field opens wide open. You know, if your daughter's in school, if she's in dance, if she's, you know, anything that you're doing with your kids, right. just going to a park becomes a stinking gospel opportunity. It's, it's amazing. That's right. If you, if you keep that perspective at all times instead of separating them. Um, and yeah. that's, yeah, that's uh, important. Um, to see that, and, and your kids may be your best missionaries, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, they'll know kids and they'll invite kids and they'll say, yeah. So uh, make it make it a uh, family ministry, uh, you know, you, the kids. That's what I did. Most of my kids, went. Uh, they were out knocking on, you know, they went with me when I knocked on doors and stuff. They didn't always want to, but they did. Now they're, mm-hmm. they're all missionaries themselves. So, yeah, they're church planters and missionaries overseas and stuff. It's because it just came it became a natural they thought it was a natural behavior, natural overflow to do that. They thought it that was normal. So yeah. That's why we want to train our guys, our people, yeah. our families. That's awesome. Yeah. Well Don, it has been an absolute privilege to uh, have you on the show. Thank you well, for thank opening you. your heart, uh, even more than your head today. I mean, I know you've got a lot of things. My, my head's, head's, head's pretty empty sometimes. So. <laughs> but uh, it, it's been great because what, what you've shared with us today is invaluable. It's it's okay. things kind of like Peter where it's like, you know, he says, look, I'm going to stir you up to remembrance uh, again about these things. Many right. of the things he said are simple, and yet because of the track record and the distance you've traveled, they become that much more profound. And we just want to thank you today for uh, coming on and just investing and pouring into, uh, you know, the, the listeners, the guys starting out, the guys maybe midway through their course, and maybe there's other guys ending the journey that are nodding their heads saying he's 100% right. If I learned this when I was younger, uh, it would yeah. serve me well. So right. we want to thank you for coming on today. Well, thank always, you very much for allowing me. You know, I, I love to share from, you know, what God's taught me, uh, so everybody doesn't have to make the same dumb mistakes I made. So uh, <laughs> anything I can, and any any of the guys want to talk to me or call me or text me, I'll be willing to help anybody I can. You know that. That's where my heart is. So yeah. Yeah, and this has been Don Overstreet. He is with the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the catalyst for LA County. And uh, he is more than available. If you want to get in touch with him, you can look up Don Overstreet on Facebook. And uh, anyways, you can get in touch with us on the show if you really want to contact him. And um, we'll put you in touch with him as well. So anyways, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. We hope to always remind you that if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you have to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, 
leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.